passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. It is your Money in the Bank post show. I am John Pollock here as always with waiting minutes after WWE completed its Money in the Bank event from the much more conservatively sized MGM Grand Garden Arena. Could you imagine that show inside of a stadium way? Um, not, not with the ticket sales, I guess, where they were. But I mean, quality of show? Yeah, I could. Well, um, would probably have been a bit of a different, different uh, makeup. But here we were at the MGM Grand Garden Arena. And a lot coming out of this show uh, with the... Results of the Money in the Bank ladder matches that we will get into, and now they are full full steam ahead for SummerSlam that is coming up in four weeks' time. So uh, with that said, are you ready to get into everything, Way? Uh, let's do it. Yeah, let's go. There was a pre-show, and then the main show started at 8 Eastern time, where we kicked things off with the women's Money in the Bank ladder match. And we've got Jimmy Smith, Corey Graves, and Byron Saxton calling uh, for the Raw side. And in the women's match, it is Liv Morgan, Alexa Bliss, Asuka, Raquel Rodriguez, Lacey Evans, Shotzi, and Becky Lynch. So all the women come out. And and it is a full crowd here at the MGM Grand Garden Arena. And uh, I, I would say, like, at certain times in the show, certainly incredibly lively for especially being there for the latter matches. I felt like throughout almost the entire show. They were really there um, for all of it. And for certain matches, I think really heightened the matches too. So it was a great crowd tonight in Vegas. So this one, we saw, we see this huge striking flurry at the beginning between Asuka and Becky Lynn that looked very slick. Then Raquel tried to lift up a ladder that had Liv laying on one end and Becky on the other. This looked like a great spot to showcase her strength, but um, did not was not in the cards for Raquel Rodriguez. She was, this actually broke her gimmick because she was not smiling when this would not work. No, no, she wasn't. I mean, I'm, I'm guessing it was some, an attempt at some sort of impressive deadlift, you know, with, with two, two people on opposite ends. And, um, and, and, they, and they were not like horizontal, like, like in the, like uh, with the ladder, they were like vertical at the ends of the ladder. So it, it was mm-hmm. very awkward uh, what, what they were trying. I think you got well, what you, they were going I imagine for, but in practice, like it probably worked out, but it did not work out live on TV, which is ultimately what counts. Uh, Alexa hit a Molly go round. And then, um, there was this really rough tilt-a-whirl head scissors spot by Alexa onto Raquel. And then Lacey clears the ring, and she starts climbing. And there were definitely some audible boos when Lacey was mm-hmm. climbing and had, like, the runway uh, with nobody until Shotzi came in and stopped her. Uh, they got into a fight, and Lacey gets hold of the, of the case when Raquel climbs underneath her, and Liv climbs up with them. This leads to a sunset bomb onto Lacey while Raquel is alone, and Shotzi is able to stop her and gets hung upside down. 
Shotzi then lifts Bliss onto her shoulders and I guess was going for whether it was an electric chair or something, and they crash into the ladder. Alexa takes this nasty fall onto the ladder. I mean, this was just brutal. And mm-hmm. this ladder is also damaged as a result. So you're seeing them with the main ladder, and it's not on its legs. It's a very unsteady ladder that they're calling attention to. Shotzi then comes off the top with a senton onto the ladder, and you're thinking she's coming off, and it's a regular senton, and you see the replay, and the her head catches the ladder coming down. I mean, dude, dude there was some really ugly stuff in, in, in this match. Um, mm-hmm. The ladder. The next time we see her, she's got blood uh, around her eyes. So I'm, I'm wondering if there's some, some bleeding like on the back of her head. Yeah. You, it was, you take any sort of damage on the back of your head, you have to be concerned about some, you know, potential for, uh, for concussion. But I, I was trying to look closely because she did have like this red, like, uh, like eye makeup on as yeah. well, but it, it did look like blood um uh it wasn't when she came back yeah i mean it's it was honestly hard to tell i think from the glimpses that we had afterwards but uh you know i'm sure we'll find out if there are any injuries after yeah um it would not surprise me the ladder then gets placed between the ring and the desk by raquel they're fighting around it and becky gets involved and oscar's on the ladder in between the desk and apron and becky climbs and she goes i guess she's going for a leg drop and it comes down like a senton dude she just comes down on her tailbone and slides off of Oscar like this was a water slide or something and just lands on the floor and man are there going to be some hurt women after this this yeah i mean i wonder if that was her intent to like not put her full weight onto asuka but you know in this scenario um i i mean the ladder didn't break and so um asuka's you know like took kind of whatever full brunt of you know becky's weight that she might have had even in, in 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 the grazing of it and obviously the spot didn't look great um but it was a big fall Becky uh, eventually recovers from that, and she's the lone one on the main ladder after tipping the others off. And then Liv returns. She's standing and fights Becky, and they're on two ladders next to one another. Becky tips the ladder, and Liv uses her foot to bounce off the top rope to put the ladder back into position, knocking Becky down, and is there to grab the gate. The case at 16 minutes and 34 seconds. Becky has a tantrum afterwards, yelling why. Um it was a creative like end spot, uh, but I-, I thought this was a really, really rough match. I thought there was a lot of stuff that got messed up. Um, there, there was. It, it looked like people might have got hurt at-, at different points. I did not think this was a smooth ladder match in any sense. Mm-hmm. I think when it comes to these sort of like matches, there's a certain leeway for like things that don't look too good. You know, like thinking back to uh, what is it, Anarchy in the Arena, like that was a match that had very sloppy moments in it as well. But the vibe of it kind of allowed it and and and, and it, you excuse it because it kind of fit with the tone of just the craziness in the atmosphere. Money in the Bank ladder matches tend to be like somewhere in between where I think we put a lot of weight on like grace, you know, when it comes to like, you know, like the the. the what they've established in the WWE with their history of ladder matches, like going back to the TLC, like TLC was in some ways a car crash match, but it was also a match of like some, some incredibly well-planned and well-executed spots. And I think every subsequent ladder match that the WWE has had, they, they've tried to replicate um, that sort of feeling. I thought they were way too ambitious here, you know, way too ambitious for, I think either spots that were not well-practiced enough or just, you know, things that 
maybe we'll practice, but for whatever reason tonight on live TV did not work out at all. It was very sloppy. Um, you also have seven people in this. There were a lot of ladders around this. And you have, like, Raquel, to my knowledge, has never been in a ladder match before. It's, you know, Lacey Evans, I don't think, has ever been in a ladder match before. Like, you're you're looking at this as well from, like, there's a lot of moving parts in all of this. And you're right. They had some very ambitious ideas. And it just seemed, um, you know, for, for, for Raquel, it was like one thing fell apart. And that bled into the, the next thing with, with Alexa Bliss with the, the Tilt-A-Whirl falling apart. Yeah, Shotzi, I thought, had a lot of really bad moments here, you know, slipping up on that ladder. And then, um, you know, I, I, I feel like it's 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 not it is fair, I think, to make a comparison to like the men's ladder match because we've seen great women's ladders ladder matches before. Um, but it's always going to be a little bit more awkward, I think, with the women because they are smaller and, and these ladders are, are always going to be that much more difficult to control. But it's for that reason that I, I would have much rather have seen a match where they weren't so um, they didn't try so much or at least they didn't try so much that could have gone wrong and instead maybe focused on other aspects of a ladder match, you know, beyond just like the stunts. Um I would have rather seen a match that was not as so not as spectacular but flawless than I think what we had here. That aside, Liv Morgan winning was a definite surprise to me. You know, but especially after they promoted her as the sentimental favorite so so hard on a SmackDown and, and uh, Raw, and um, they gave it to us. You know, they, they they gave us the sentiment here, and the crowd was absolutely into it. For all I think, you know, my criticisms were about the sloppiness of the match. The crowd was into it. They were chanting, this is awesome. They were like, they 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 reacted big for everything. And so maybe it didn't really bother them so much. If the ultimate goal of the match was entertainment, I thought they definitely put on a show. It was entertaining. Um, but you definitely have concern if you're watching for, you know, a bit more gracefulness in your ladder matches. Uh, but it made for a great moment for Liv. And would not be the end of her night either. So they uh, would interview her later. And then we get quite a big push for SummerSlam throughout the show. And the notion that this is going to be a big show, I, I didn't take booking a stadium as evidence of that. Uh, the fact that you have a number of celebrities that are going to be involved, whatever, Brock and Reigns, no. Kid Rock will be doing the theme with Robert James. So for the next four weeks, we will hear Shakedown. All right, cool, nice. I feel like we, you know, we're we're back. Like we, we've we've gone, you know, full circle enough that I think it, it's time to loop back to Kid Rock. I think it, what isn't it in in a, some sort of contract that every I don't know four years we have a Kid Rock song uh, for a pay per view. Yeah, it's like you know they they have their their go tos, their their four or five artists, and and Kid Rock mm-hmm. is. Not been as prominent. I mean, here's a WWE Hall of Famer, no less. I mean, come on. Right. Summerslam. All right. Sure. Uh, they showed highlights of Cody Rhodes' interview about his rehab that aired on Raw. And we then have the United States Championship match between Theory and Bobby Lashley. Bobby Lashley was very popular in this uh, crowd. They're mm-hmm. immediately chanting Bobby. And Theory is playing the coward, going to the floor, avoiding the spear. And then Theory eventually knocks Lashley into the post and... Uh, takes over here and he immediately wants to count out win as he races into the ring. Theory comes off the apron and Lashley was going to catch him on his shoulders, but lost his footing, but did recover and drilled him into the post. Theory at one point goes into the fetal position as a means of defending the spear. And it worked. 
He catches Lashley with a lariat and a left hand. Lashley then takes a super kick off the turnbuckle. And you could see Lashley. He's like waving theory. Hurry up. Go for the cover. And then he quickly like leaps on top of him. Uh, it was also noticeable in the background. If you were paying attention, that Nick Khan was uh, sitting in the crowd. I do. I did not notice. Yes. <laughs> he was, you know, just taking this event in. Theory then avoids the hurt lock and Lashley comes back. Uh, Theory does a somersault from the apron and Lashley catches him into a military press slam. Mm-hmm. A-Town down gets countered with the cradle, but this time Theory kicks out after being caught by it in the past. Eye gouge and then a steer by Theory is hit and he goes again for A-Town down. It's countered into the hurt lock and Theory submits at 11 minutes and one second. And Lashley is your new champion and also busted in the um, in the mouth as we could see afterward here but a new champion i thought this was a very good match i was not at all interested in it after the build but i thought these two delivered in ring i think one of the keys to presenting this bobby lashley excuse me as i change this a uh, little uh heading here uh, one of the keys i think to you know presenting a monster like bobby lashley as a baby face is to have him go up against the heel who could believably dominate him and that's why i think the Olmos pairing works so well um uh, that's why i think you know even the gauntlet and handicap matches against alpha academy worked so well as well but i had my doubts you know in a one-on-one setting with theory to see like whether or not the crowd would actually like cheer for lashley as much as they would whether it'd be convincing that you know he could be fighting from underneath against somebody who's smaller than him in theory but credit to theory like i i thought he convincingly played the aggressor here he didn't even have to like you know resort to too many shenanigans he ultimately, like, you know, worked hard enough here to give Bobby Lashley what felt like a really hard-earned heroic victory by the end. And I think the end scene of him with that bloody mouth and the biggest grin on his face holding up that championship made the U.S. title actually feel like an achievement. So, you know, this Lashley babyface run, I think, is is working way better than I'd imagine. And, and so much credit should be given, as the announcers did, to Las Vegas, who were treating Bobby Lashley like a big star. So you come out of the show, and I mean, it, it feels like, you know, he, he should be in the title picture. The main well, title picture. Yeah, the secondary title picture. See, I, I did see it as like a... Uh, a tougher one when like theory was on offense in this match. I'm not quite as there as, as you are um, in this match, but by the end, I mean, when, when that hurt lock, like this crowd just wanted to see Bobby win this match. And when he finally got that hurt lock, it was a big pop for the finish. And yet Lashley, like we know he is popular, but it meant they saw him as a big star on this show. Mm. I would say among the biggest on this whole show. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, maybe in terms of entertainment, you know, like him with the heat, like it's WWE heat where the activity is going to be very low. But what it was successful in doing is like wanting making this crowd continue to want Lashley to come back and win. Sarah Schreiber interviewed Liv Morgan and asked, when and where are you going to cash in money in the bank briefcase? Which I mean. Sarah, this kind of negates the purpose, does it not? And she says the possibilities are endless. She doesn't want to mess this up. WrestleMania sounds pretty good, but I just want to celebrate now. I thought this segment was great by by the end that they inserted it here and made mm-hmm. for the cash in to be uh, that much more spontaneous. I mean, it, it, for me, it was a tip off. Was it? She was she was likely to, to, to. I mean, I thought it was very possible if not tonight. But yeah, it was smart, smart way to do it. Bianca Belair and Carmella for the Raw Women's Championship. Byron accuses Corey Graves of being aligned with Carmella, and Graves informs him, yeah, we're married. 
Mm-hmm. I am very much behind Carmella. I am biased. Yep. So Carmella gets control. She crucifixes the arms, but Belair escapes, does her vertical, lifting up her, the legs as she does so. And then she is punching Carmella in the corner with the 10 punches. And then she gets one more in as Corey says, she's not even on my dental insurance yet. And Byron notes that's going to come out of pocket. So yes, folks, Corey, the employee in WWE, uh, and Carmella, the independent contractor, does not have dental insurance through WWE. Mm-hmm. That's what we established here in this match. Uh, uh, I didn't think we would get such an analysis of a uh, employee versus independent contractor. Uh, um, I, I guess, mean that uh, was thing. that was that was outlined here. Carmella connected with a super kick for the one uh, near fall of the match. This just angers Belair, who fires back with a forearm, hits the KOD. And wins in seven minutes and 13 seconds. This could have been on any episode of Raw, and I have already forgotten about it. Yeah, I mean, you know, I give him, I think, some, um, you know, leeway because this was not supposed to be the match. What was supposed to be the match? The Rhea. Rhea Ripley. Rhea Ripley, you know. So, I mean, on short notice, I... I think you couldn't have really expected uh, that much convincing that you, you know, in, in, into thinking Carmel had any sort of chance. It ultimately just kind of ended up being a showcase for somebody who was already billed to be on the show in Bianca Belair. Um, and as a showcase, I thought it was very successful. Belair showed great charisma here. Her, you know, speaking about gracefulness, like she has that, you know, it's just like a pleasure to like watch her do her flips and, and her whole sequence at the beginning. And she's a good promo. So to me, she's just like, you know, it's another notch on her belt in what is looking to be a pretty long, lengthy run, um, as she should have. She is the total package and the type of champion who should be able to carry that belt for an entire year plus. But, um, you know, Carmella Sticks certainly isn't for everybody in ring. She's very limited. But I think what you can always count on her for is somebody that is very easy to hate. And if you're looking for that as just a canvas, for somebody like Bianca Belair to like show off her offense in the crowd to cheer for her. I mean, this was ended up being a good showcase for Belair. Yeah, I just think the promo on Monday, it was all about like Carmella is like she has the it factor and she has to resort to all of this stuff. Like it almost set the stage like these two could have a great match. And I don't know, it, it was just to me a very average <laughs> And then afterwards, Carmella yanks her off the turnbuckle as she's celebrating and attacks Bianca. Uh, so we'll probably get this again, maybe on Monday. Yeah. Logan Paul update. They show him uh, training at the PC, signing with the WWE, and then we get his message that The Miz, he didn't sign to team up with The Miz at SummerSlam. The Miz is dead to him, and he's his enemy. He signed this deal so he can beat The Miz's ass at SummerSlam and the Miz will respond to Logan Paul on Monday. So I guess this is our SummerSlam match. Yeah. Yeah. It looks like it. So it, it seems like they're keeping him a baby face. Which, baby face, Logan Paul. Geez. Good luck. Yeah. I think it's going to be a real tough yeah. go to get this guy um, treated like a baby face. And they have had so many uh, indications of this, that it's blown up on a live segment, but mm-hmm. I mean, whatever. They've they've kind of set the table for this. Earlier today, Alexa Bliss is showing going into her locker room, and there's all these clothes all all around, and Lily has gone out and bought all of these items with her WWE Credit One Visa card. 
and she bought rollerblades for Alexa, but they're not the right size. Yeah, they're lily sized. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously it was tacky as fuck. You know, anytime they do any sort of one of these product placement things, what was it like? What was the Sonic? Like they did a bunch of shit like this. It's yeah. like, oh man, so cheaply shot. Like it looks like TV instead of film. Like even, but even when they shoot like, um, like the Snickers ads, like those are awful. They're always, always, always awful. Okay. And like the choice to play crowd audio underneath this was one that I found really peculiar because this crowd was booing, booing this it. at the end. Very and, audibly. And I know this is like a, their own product, but like if you're Capital One, you're partnering with the, with the WWE, you know, they probably demanded some some sort of pr- cross promotion like this. But this was not good promotion. There's no better way to tank a brand or a product than to script something so awful and to play live audio of your audience booing it. It, it, it was terrible. It was it was awful. Credit to them for uh, throwing up earlier today, so we weren't confused that Alexa was uh, after the ladder match worried oh, about yeah. these uh, these random uh, purchases yeah. on her credit card. The timeline was was very important. Yes, yes. So we were led to believe this is Lily could apply. Your doll could apply for a card and be approved. This wasn't. She didn't steal Alexa's credit card, right? Because that would be fraud. Uh, aren't they one and the same? You know, like um, aren't we talking about like um. Like, isn't Lily just a physical representation of like another side of Alexa's personality? Is this it? No, she's got like a like she's conscious. So, she has a social security number. Hmm. I mean, she has to get approved for a credit card. Does she have a job? You know, references. Like to, yeah. Wow. Home address. Well, income. all right. From there. We went to the Usos against the Street Profits for the undisputed tag titles. And Michael Cole and Pat McAfee joined Corey Graves for this one. The Usos cut a quick promo at the beginning. The Profits come through the crowd for uh, doing their old entrance here. And the Profits are in control early on. And Montez Ford did about 5,000 suck it chants. Yeah. You know, I don't know if this was intentional or improvised because he climbed up to the top and just did one crowd started chanting with it. And then he just like carried on like as like almost like a, an, uh, you know, um, uh, an orchestra. Yes. This should be the, this should be the suck it symphony and he should do it every match. I, I, I thought it worked out well. So just, just so we have a baseline though, a hole cannot be said suck it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, this on crowd Canadian, on Canadian TV, at least we don't know if it was censored in. That's right. That that that's right. So th- this to me was two matches because the first half of this, this audience was fairly checked out of this. They started a, a McAfee chant and they just had the mm. heat on Dawkins like forever. And then it was Ford who gets tagged in and they had the heat on him forever. And it's just like, this match to me was just like going through the motions for me. And then all of a sudden, uh, we get Dawkins coming in and he hits a Tope Kun hero to both met Usos on the floor, landing on his feet. And then they do the spot where there's a shoulder tackle by Dawkins, sending Jimmy into a German by Ford for a near fall. And this audience loses their mind. And they pretty much had this crowd for the rest of this thing as they go through all these near falls. There's a blockbuster to Jay off of Dawkins' shoulders from the top. Uh, there's comparisons of Dawkins and Jay to Hagler and Hearns. And then 
uh, they stop another super blockbuster attempt, and the Usos hit a double super kick onto Ford and get the near fall. Again, the audience is losing it. Ford hits this unbelievable Tope Con Hero over the corner post, and Cole yells, holy, and Pat just like, say it. Just say it. He's trying to get him to swear. And Graves, uh, sorry, it was Graves who was trying to tell him to to say it. Uh, then Ford hits from the heavens, which it was called. And we get the save by Jimmy. The crowd is rabid. And then the four just stand toe to toe. They start brawling. Dawkins gets thrown into the timekeeper's table. And that leaves Ford in the ring. And he's nailed with a double super kick and hit with the 1D. They count the three at 23 minutes and two seconds. But then during the replay, it's showing that Ford's shoulder was clearly off the mat. And they made this huge part with the Street Profits uh, protesting the finish and the announcers calling attention to it. Um, but this this ended up being a terrific match. I thought the match of the show. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I think for my entertainment value, I, I might have preferred the men's ladder match. But as a straight match, absolutely, this ended up being way more incredible than I thought it could have. Um, I, I know what you mean when you say, when you said, like, you know, the crowd might have been checked out. I didn't necessarily take their chanting for McAfee, though, necessarily as them, like, not caring about the match. It know? was that moment, but, th- like, they were also very subdued beyond the McAfee chant. Like, they just seemed like they weren't all that into And there wasn't a whole lot of exciting stuff going on. Like, it was just... It, and they were obviously, like, they were going 23 minutes, so they mm-hmm. were pacing it that way. But, like, the first... I would say the 12, 13 minutes of this, mm. like it's it's pretty average stuff that you it doesn't didn't stand out to me in any meaningful way. Well, it, it's to me the the effect is not unlike like a New Japan thirty minute main event where first portion is just pretty rudimentary stuff, but you know I do wonder if if that duration and that length contributes to the excitement at the end. Um, I, you know, ultimately just kind of talking about the end result here. I, I had negative interest going into the match, but I always knew in ring they would deliver. Um, but not to this level. I didn't expect it to get this high. I thought they worked their asses off. And in particular, like I thought Jay's like heel work was really starting to stand out for me. Like he's working slow, but he's working really mean. And it's showing off his versatility. And it also fits in really well with what Roman's doing, you know, with his heel in ring style. And, uh, Vegas, I thought, was just like tremendous here, you know, especially by the end where they're eating up every single near fall and everything really felt big. So by the end, they achieved a great match. Yeah, this this went really well. And uh, the way that this ended, like, I, I was surprised they went with this kind of a, a finish with like the disputed shoulder being up. But it's obviously going to lead somewhere and and where this goes with the with the Street Profits. Uh, if I could this see a uh, slam or. I could see it. I could see it. And I mean, going into this, I would have dreaded that. But because the quality of the match was so big and it also achieved a level where the announcers were, were trying to, like, you know, call it like one of the best matches that they've seen. They're going they they to went go- a little overboard. I think Pat called it like one of the greatest matches he's ever seen. And it's, it's almost like where you're going too uh, above that. You're like forcing people to kind of like, let, let's tone it down a little here. It was a good match. Perhaps. Yeah. But I mean, it, ultimately, it's subjective. You know, and, and like I thought it was a good enough match that they, that they could sell the idea that this was a legendary match and that you could build up to, you know, a, a significant main event. Uh, sorry, a significant significant rematch at SummerSlam between the two. 
of course, what they were teasing um, last on the TV this week about the the, the rumors of the of the street profits not getting along. I saw no evidence of that whatsoever in the wrestling. I thought that's what the finish was going to be, that Ford got double teamed with the super kicks while Dawkins was throwing over the timekeeper's table and then he wasn't there to make the save. Mm -hmm. But that's that that was not the story of the finish. Yeah, I, I, I see no evidence of it, but the announcers do continue to at least, you know, bring up the rumor. Yes. So I imagine that's the story that they're going to focus on and potentially we'll we might get a breakup at SummerSlam and that would justify the spot on the card. Then we had the mysterious vignette of this, uh, of this hidden individual. And we see a padlock shaking uh, the inside of a church. And then all these, these different uh, objects, including a Latino heat license plate, Dudley sunglasses or just glasses, the Hardy armbands and Kurt Angle's medals uh, that Detective John Ceno uh, pieced together as all past opponents for Edge. So that seems to be the uh, educated guess of what this is for. Yeah, so it looks like he's keeping some sort of dark character, um, you know, when he returns uh, as a baby face. And um, I don't know, maybe maybe he'll be championing championing the Attitude Era as his new gimmick. <laughs> Okay, I, I cut my hair for this Judgment Day angle, and it went nowhere for me. <laughs> yeah. He'll have a wig, you know. Maybe he'll be Attitude Era Edge again. Yes. Ronda Rousey and Natalia for the SmackDown Women's Championship. Natalia comes out and she's wearing the shades that she g- gives to a fan, and they note it's Brett's birthday. This hated villain, Natalia. <laughs> How could you not be rooting for her here? Um, Meanwhile, on the other side of the street, on the first fight of the prelims, Jessica Rose Clark came out to Sexy Boy. Interesting. Wow. Yeah, Interesting. On, okay. On Brett's birthday, no less. So, wow. There. Rousey, they explain, is not at 100% due to the sharpshooter she was put in several weeks ago. And we start off with, with grappling between the two and Natalia going for the ankle lock or Natalia going for the ankle lock and Rousey using an ankle pick to escape and applies her own. And the two are pretty much just trading counters. And this is probably what um, a lot of their training sessions uh, mimic. Mm-hmm. Uh, Natalia's controlling the arm. Rousey's calling her a bitch and then rolls to an arm bar. And Natalia is able to free out of it. And she's got all these, these counters for the arm bar. Um, I, I liked what they were doing. The crowd certainly was checked out mm-hmm. here. Like they were very quiet throughout this. And it wasn't just the, the being engaged. It just seemed like this was, not exactly connecting with the, with the crowd and yeah. what they were coming off of too. Natalia is hurt after a takedown and is selling her knee. She rolls to the Piper's Pip and Natalia blocks that and goes for her own arm bar to Rousey, escapes. Rousey applies a sharpshooter and then Rousey falls over in the sharpshooter as Natalia before she can even reach the rope. So imagine if Sean had done that in Montreal. It could have just changed everything if he had like fallen out of the sharpshooter. Oh, I feel like Brett would have still lost. <laughs> I mean, Sean, it could have been Sean the was in the, uh, pretty much in, in motion of it being reversed. It could have they, been the ugliest, like the worst looking sharpshooter in the world. And I think Brett would have still lost that night. Yeah, things might have been working <laughs> against him. They slap each other. There's an arm bar for Rousey, which gets stopped. And Natalia sends her to the floor and continues to attack the knee. And Natalia applies the sharpshooter on the edge of the apron, and it's broken by Natalia getting flipped like head first into the post. 
And you just see her head crash as she rolls to the floor. I thought it looked great. You know, the, the whole tease on the apron and then like essentially like Rhonda catapulting Natalia backwards. Yeah, it probably looked like a bit of a rough landing, but I thought it was inventive. So Natalia's on the floor and Rousey is in the ring. Her knee is killing her and Natalia beats the count. And there's this close up of Rousey who just under her breath goes, shit, as though she's got to keep going here. Her knee is really compromised. It was actually a nice like subtlety. She goes for the Piper's Pit, but the knee buckles, and Natalia counters an armbar for the sharpshooter. Again, there's an ankle pick, moves to the ankle lock, and then Rousey goes to the back. Natalia tries for another sharpshooter, and it finally ends with an armbar off the mat by Ronda, and Natalia has to tap at 12 minutes and 32 seconds. Uh, This match was not always, always pretty at times, but I like that this... Like, they had a totally different idea of structuring this match. And I think by the end, like, you saw the story they were telling and doing the different submission counters, the knee injury, that I I, I got into the match. I don't know if I uh, the same was for the audience, but um, for, for what it was, I liked that this was, like, a different type of, of match. I'm in total agreement. I actually thought this match was great, but I could see that the audience did not. And I feel like much of that comes down to the fact that, you know, in general, a WWE audience, I don't think is as conditioned to appreciate this sort of submission based chain wrestling type of thing. Um, Also, in the live setting, you might not be as, you know, privy to some of the details maybe that you're watching. Not to say that there were a ton like this is not like a Zack Sabre Jr. match or anything like that. But still, it was much more like focused in one kind of like um, it was more submission based. You know what would have helped this match? And it, What's that? it is a SmackDown match. Jimmy Smith calling this. Oh, no doubt. I think Jimmy's like, I, I imagine like Jimmy Smith would and lend great credibility to a lot of Ronda's matches. Yeah, especially a match like this. Um, but yeah, he he's not SmackDown. Yeah, I could have just. Yeah, for, for, for this one, I, I think that would have made a big difference. But nonetheless, perhaps. But, you know, it connected with me watching at home. So, you know, I, I didn't have an issue with it. I also think in general, I don't think Ronda is just that great of a baby face. No, like you know, at least to a crowd like this. And, and Vegas was a crowd that was not afraid to tell you who they liked and who they didn't like. They were booing Lacey Evans. You know, they were cheering Shotzi like throughout the match, despite her being a heel. Um, I really appreciated, I think, how much these two like probably worked on this match. It's a style that where Natalia really shines. I noticed a bit of Owen, Owen influence in there as well. And I thought Ronda was like really with the entire thing. They were really hanging this match's ability on on their um, teases of the sharpshooter, the armbar, and the ankle lock. And they came up with a lot of different interesting like uh, counters and entries. And, you know, um, especially like there was one moment where Ronda did her sharpshooter. And then she started doing the Sean pose, which I felt yeah. on Brett's birthday. God, man, shame on her. You know, I hope FTR wasn't watching. But I really liked the final sort of like chess sequence at the end where you, you know, went from Rhonda's arm bar to the sharpshooter. That was the strongest the, part. To the ankle lock and then back to the sharpshooter and then back to this really nice open guard entry into the arm bar. It was, it was like a, a palindrome of submissions that looked really cool. Uh, by the part, by the by the end, they had me, and I think they had the crowd as well. Even though in the middle, it was a bit rough. Yeah, it's. I mean, I I can understand why they went the direction they did, building this up to I think try and get this rivalry across that it's personal. At the same time, I think you and it was Natalia constantly stating she was going to submit Ronda. 
but I, I think you could have told this story a bit more. And the, mm-hmm. the fact that they've known each other for all these years and training together, have the Josh Barnett do a two minute, you know, uh, video package and explain, you know, the, the arm bar versus the sharpshooter or just something like that, because you're, you're drawing from a, an audience that many of them are not going to be as versed in this because, you know, WWE doesn't always really dive into kind of the, the like submission stories and, and, stuff like that that might get over in a different company much more easier with an audience that is more trained to that type of thing it felt like they were you know promoting a match based off of trash talk and giving you a product that was very technical and maybe there was some disconnect there although there were bits of trash talk in this match that i thought were awful (laughs) fuck like what one point like ronda says you're gonna tag out with your rag out tonight that, like, oh God, I missed that. I'm glad that I did. Dude, Rhonda, it's it is time for for the turn. Which uh, afterward, Rhonda has the belt and she's selling the knee, and suddenly Liv Morgan's music plays, and she races down and she is cashing in her Money in the Bank briefcase, and the bell rings, and this place is going nuts because I I don't think that they were expecting this. Um, Liv breaks out of an ankle lock because Rhonda gets the ankle lock and this crowd like you could just see the air out of their sails that my god Rhonda's gonna beat Liv here but she breaks free and rolls up Rhonda in 32 seconds and pins Rousey to win the Smackdown women's title and Rousey takes the title hands it to Liv and hugs her mm-hmm. yeah no heel turn no no heel turn but a yeah. total like if ever there was a reason for to, to turn Rhonda, this was it. And I, I think it actually makes the audience actually dislike her more because I don't think you could ever fathom somebody um, reacting like this when you're being taken so advantage of. Like, this is such a heel maneuver by mm-hmm. Liv. Like, here's this woman on one leg who's just coming out of a match, mm-hmm. and then she's hugging her. Well, thank you for doing this to me. <laughs> Anyway, th- but this crowd, they they wanted to see this title change. It was going to get a big pop regardless, but it was added being that it was Liv. And also, I thought Michael Cole was tremendous calling this for Liv Morgan, like her first big title that she has won and going through, like coming to NXT. Like he did a very good job of making this um, uh, plenty of quotes for a video package. Yeah, yeah. I believe like we might have like hinted towards some sort of scenario, like similar to what what happened here in our preview Um, of the two, you know, women's championship matches. I I could have seen this one be the more likely candidate for uh, money in the bank winner to to capitalize on on the show. You know, the fact that like it seems to be a pretty common pattern where like coming off of every ever since we, we've had. um We, we thought oh, Lacey maybe could could have done the spot right was that the one on ronda on ronda maybe but um you know ever since they've had a women's and a men's or like for that matter a raw and a smackdown briefcase it it, it, wwe tends to not want to have both around you know their television and so you you it's it's often that you get one cashed in almost immediately last year it was uh nikki ash the day after and this year it's Liv morgan (laughs) um if if you tell me i'll believe you (laughs) Well, I mean, for, as exactly, like, you don't remember it, right? Because, like, I don't know how many of us remember, like, the Nikki Ash run and what difference does it make for, with, you know, has it made for her on the card right now? And it's for that reason, in particular, when it comes to baby faces, I don't love them winning based off of the money in the bank. 
Yes, it made for a great moment, but you know the crowds are going to pop for any sort of cash in. Of course, it's, it's a very easy pop. Yeah. Like they're they're reacting because something stunning is happening. Mm-hmm. Um, like it's 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 totally like you could have picked any woman, and they're getting a crazy pop for a cash in. Like that's yeah. a given. But in particular for baby faces, I don't like it because I mean they don't come. At, Liv, Liv Morgan does not come out of out of this feeling like a legitimate champion. She feels like somebody who won on a technicality. Much like Nikki Ash did yesterday. And the criticism they had when Big E won the title, that here he took advantage of a hurt Bobby Lashley. And that's kind of the 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 problem of like a babyface winning the money in the bank is it, it like there isn't a whole lot of drama in announcing ahead of time you're cashing it in. And that's why they've done that so few times. I actually, with Liv Morgan, wouldn't have minded if she lost her cash in here not to say it had to be tonight but at some point down the road you know like she caught a promo earlier saying i have to be really careful with how i cash this in because i only have one opportunity you know she's already nervous going in and if she eventually goes in loses it i think it would get a lot of groans and a lot of negative reaction but i also think it would be a good setup for her to start from the bottom again to actually earn her title shot so that she could beat that same person the proper way you know, for her first championship. Um, I I think this will be fine. And ultimately it comes down to the booking, but I do have concern that they will just kind of book her as if she still Liv Morgan, you know, kind of like middle of the pack. And by the end of the title run, we forget about it all. Well, you don't get the time. chase and the, yeah. you, you cut out the chase, especially for someone who's never had a title before. That's mm-hmm. a big part of the, of the come up for somebody that you you've kind of like Liv has pretty much been on the background for a year. Like she's mm-hmm. had like, you know, her title cha- challenges with Becky, but th- those are months ago. So you've kind of just jet str- just jettisoned mm-hmm. through everything to give her the title now. And now it's all of a sudden she's your champion. And I, I'm just looking at w- with Rhonda is like, this was such an opportunity that she could just have like, Tossed the title to live and stormed off um, because I think that's the direction you need to go with Ronda. And instead of the, See, it was like they they doubled down here. Now, if Ronda retained, let's say the ankle lock was put on it and Liv tapped, I think you would have made a heel in Ronda Rousey. I think like so that. too. I think so too. If you were directing Ronda in a heel direction, mm-hmm. that is one way I could have justified Liv failing here because mm-hmm. it would have been. Um, it would have been tough, but you would have had a crowd very uh, upset that Ronda retained. Definitely, but I would have like I wouldn't have had Ronda lose to anybody else in the future, but live. Like, and that story of Liv coming back specifically to to take the title from Ronda, I, I think would have been at least interesting. But anyway, it's all in the past now. This post wrestling podcast is brought to you by Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. Financial literacy can be daunting, but it's one of the most valuable things you can equip yourself with. On NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast, their trusted financial journalists offer easily digestible, conversational discussions on topics like balancing your portfolio. If you think an ETF is one of Cena's five moves of doom, this show might be for you. Planning for your tax bills this April, so you don't have to worry about a visit from Erwin R. Scheister. And putting away more money for retirement, because unlike most wrestlers at the end of their careers, most of us should only plan on retiring once. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you. Well, thank you. They had a pretty sizable video package for Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar that had this, um, you know, it was this package that was narrated, calling this the defining rivalry of the past decade and promoting the final chapter of this masterpiece. 
will take place at SummerSlam. So they're promoting this uh, the last time in the last we'll man standing that. match, whatever, uh, once in a lifetime. We'll see. Um, but, you know, how many more hooks can you create for Reigns and Lesnar? Say it's the last time, whether it's going to be or not, it's it's a tagline that they can attach to this and mm-hmm. really make this feel as much as they can, how epic you can make this, which it's just amazing when you when the way that WrestleMania match was laid out and now you're coming back this many months later. But this was not the original plan. But now this is this is your plan. Do you, I mean, I, I feel like from our audience, when this match was announced, there certainly is that same like the groan of like all oh, Reigns versus Lesnar again. Do you still feel that right now? And do you do you have a sense of whether or not the general audience like the, the non podcast listening audience feels that same, you know, exhaustion from Reigns versus Lesnar? I mean, since they've announced it, I think the best barometer is like tickets moving and they have moved some. It's not an overwhelming amount. Like they still have lots to sell for SummerSlam. So I think there's I like I I don't buy into it that like people actively do not want to watch the show because Reigns and Lesnar is on top of it. Um, But it's it it, it's going to be determined in the next month because now the promotion truly picks up mm-hmm. over these four weeks. But yeah, there, there's certainly some of that negative sentiment. I, I don't think it's as dire as, as probably uh, p- people believe it to be. Cause I don't feel it that much personally, you know, like I, 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 I feel like if they promote it as a big match, it will feel like a big match. They're going to promote it as a huge match. Just as they video package are. alone yeah. made it feel like this is, and they're going to push this like the, the end of the rivalry. So that is something new that they have to to push here rather than just the latest singles match between these two. So then we go to the main event. It's the men's ladder match with Seth Rollins, Sami Zayn, Sheamus, Drew McIntyre, Omos, Madcap Moss, and Riddle. They all make their entrance when Adam Pearce comes out to add theory. So it is an eight-man ladder match. Omos is dominating at the beginning until he gets knocked out of the ring by a Claymore. We see Moss and Riddle fighting on the ladder when Omos returns and takes both down and he grabs Theory for a choke slam. And then Omos starts to climb the ladder when Moss and Drew tip it over and Riddle and Sheamus start attacking Omos with ladders and everyone buries him underneath the ladders. The one, the one miscue here was that he had about a dozen ladders covering him. And then like eight minutes later, you just see him climbing through the ropes back into the ring. You needed to have like the big arm come from underneath the big, just throw all the ladders off. And so we didn't even see how this guy got under the rubble. It was like, come on arm up yeah i mean he's very much a comic book character almost is do the comic scene where he comes back to life instead we just casually see him like lift uh, climbing over the top rope it's like i'm back guys um rollins is alone at one point climbing up zane was very funny in this match like he played the role perfectly like when everyone else was down it was his chance and they just constantly bring up that he's going to sit on this thing for a year if he wins it um we see uh, Riddle start to do Randy spots on Sheamus with the draping DDT and then climbs the ladder in the corner and hits a floating bro to uh, four of the guys on the on the on the mat. Uh, that looked very spectacular. This is when Omos comes back. We see a haluva kick delivered to Omos and then a brogue kick and Riddle, Riddle applies a triangle as Moss dumps Omos over the top to the floor. Rollins hits him with a stomp and then all of them join together, clearing the announcer's desk and they deliver a, a seven person shield powerbomb to Omos, putting him through the desk. 
And Pat screams, we'll be watching that for years. Years. We will be watching this power bomb through the, the years. Desk. Okay. Yeah. Um, he, maybe he will, you know, he'll, he'll queue it up once a year and <laughs> just go back to this. I don't um, even think we're going to be ever referencing Sammy Guevara getting tossed off uh, the top of the blood and guts cage. Uh, I again. almost forgot it that night. John. That was on Wednesday. Oh, my there, goodness. There is a bigger lesson to be learned from a lot of yeah. these big matches of all these insane stunts, and they are comp- forgettable. Yeah. I like, think there I, is a numbness to them. Definitely. Definitely. I, I think it helps if you frame it as like a point of significance in a match that leads to the finish, for instance. And that, that, that Sammy Guevara dive, is, as you know, cool as it was, did not play into the finish. Like, yeah, it's like to me, it's the ones are the ones that are beaten into your head and like Seth Rollins cash in, they bring that up. It's got to be once a month on mm-hmm. WWE television. They bring up that right. cash in uh, yeah. Jericho, like every, <laughs> every month in some promo, he would bring up beating rock and Austin in one night. Yeah. Like that's how you hammer that stuff into people's heads because sure. of constant reminders. Well, maybe we'll hear uh, the, the night, you know, seven, six or seven people power bomb Omos through a commentary table. Night You're, after right. Night. You're right. We might yeah. be shortchanging Pat's prognosis. Drew climbs with Seamus underneath the ladder. So the dog runs in and applies a sleeper onto Drew and he gets attacked by Seamus. Then it's uh, Seamus climbing with Drew underneath and Drew is powering the ladder up off of his back. Bench and, pressure. Yeah. Yeah. And then Cl- Claymore's butch. Drew and Sheamus then are tipped over by Zayn. Zayn gets stopped by Moss. Moss is stopped by Rollins, who is, uh, stomps him. And then we've got Rollins and Riddle fighting, which leads to an RKO off the ladder for a huge pop. Riddle climbs, and this is when Fury returns, and they battle on top of the ladder until Riddle is dropped, and Fury is there to grab the briefcase at 25 minutes and 31 seconds and take, as Michael Cole quoted, the selfie of a lifetime. That was his uh his big call for theory the selfie mm. of a lifetime, and yeah. theory is your uh, your briefcase holder. So so when something happens like this, where somebody unannounced ends up winning the match, like how does that affect like the betting lines and, and draft you and things? I had the exact same thought <laughs> because um I it, it was kind of hinted to me that uh to to expect this and yeah. when they were promoting the DraftKings thing midway through the show, yeah. it's like and. Pick who's going to win the ladder match. And I thought the same thing. Like, how how does DraftKings, like, handle it? Is it just, this is pro wrestling. This crazy stuff happens. But it's like, it's, it's just, really weird when you're in bed with a gambling outfit. And yeah, yeah. you're doing this stuff where it's like, you have a drop-down menu of seven people to pick who's going to win. And mm-hmm. none of them are going to win. And you know this. This is why, like, the G1 pool is usually so... um it works so well. And by the way, it is coming back, everybody, for this year. So uh, we will probably announce details very shortly. But um, the G1 usually works out well because you don't just have, you know, people announced the, right before a match to, that they'll be entering. Um, anyway, but the WWE and sports entertainment in general and wrestling in general is different. And I think it makes it fun. You know, the fact that it's unpredictable and stuff like this can but happen. It also opens up to this stuff being... Um taken advantage of too of those that are aware of this kind of stuff you mean like for gambling purposes yeah oh oh no doubt yeah yeah but so that's like, uh, but that goes for any pro wrestling and that's and that's what, what when you're taking betting on pro wrestling yeah. um you're you're taking that risk like so from what a, i can tell like DraftKings is you're kind of playing for credits like you're not playing for real money 
right? Like it's not, it's like funny money or I don't know. I don't, I, I, don't I thought do it said it. on the thing you could win, like play, play for free for $10,000 or something. I, but I, I, somebody explained it to me that it's, it's not directly like just betting, you know, like it's, it's more like for fun. And then I don't know something else. Somebody can do a better job of, of explaining it. Um, you see if, but if I was in charge of like legitimately trying to like collect people's money for this, I would just throw everything out at, at this point and just like return like everybody gets their money back. Right. Like, what can you do in, in a scenario like this? Yeah. I, I don't know. It's not my area of expertise, but it's, it's, like when when you're when you're DraftKings and you're getting into pro wrestling, like that's the kind of stuff you invite. Yeah, it's uh, anyway. Um, the match itself. <laughs> after yeah. we spent five minutes talking about the yeah. DraftKings, I, I um, thought it was a, like a nice ladder match. I I don't think it was one of the more memorable ones. Um, but it was you know it was it was it was certainly like well laid out. Like you had a lot of great talent in in this match overall. Even Omos, like I think they. They built around several spots of him um, that were, you know, he was like heavily involved. I won't even say heavily involved, but he had his moments that were maximized. Agreed. Agreed. I thought Omos, I thought they did a great job with Omos in this one. I mean, he came out of the match as the person maybe outside of Boston Theory who gained the most. They they made him like I will never I will never say anything bad about like a giant entering the money in the bank because they provide so much for everybody else to do, you know, like the, the power bomb, we're going to be talking about it for decades to come, John, you know, it made for an incredible moment there. Yes. Um, we we but, got an all time legendary moment that we'll be talking about for years. And one of the greatest matches Pat has ever seen all in one show, the monumental night tonight. Yes. Uh, but I, I thought overall I, it was a very entertaining match. Uh, I thought they did a great job with with him. Um, theory felt a bit more understated to me, but I guess it doesn't matter so much because he did. did it feel like a tip off when he came out that he was winning this? Um, I thought there was still a possibility he wouldn't, but the fact that he did win, I, I think it made all the sense in the world. After he lost yeah. to Lashley, putting him in this, I think it was a clear sign that this this was yeah. the guy. Like, why else put him in this? Exactly. Like if we're looking at the template of a money in the bank winner, like you think of somebody like the Miz who, you know, um, after, after you drop the U S title, you're in line for the world championship. And the briefcase is essentially just, you know, you're, it's like a, uh, what, you know, like a, like a coupon to redeem a, a world yeah. championship run at some point. And this but, is well, the Miz one thing is that for, for SummerSlam, they are really hitting it hard that the winner of this match is going to be prone for a cash in. And I just don't know how many people see theory at that level that theory could come out of yeah. SummerSlam as your champion. And that is that was my argument for like a Rollins or even a Drew. Mm-hmm. I will tell you, though, for Drew, like it's I think there would be a lot more if this were a number of years ago and theory wins this. I think there would have been a little negativity because you would have had that sentimental favorite, not to use a Liv Morgan term, yeah. but like that person did not exist in this match. I think True. they want to characterize Riddle as that, but it's like, we don't have a Brian Danielson. That's like mm-hmm. the whole crowd is behind and would have been really disappointed if he lost. So with theory, I think it's sort of indifference. Like, sure, he could win it. It's it, like, and Drew, for, for someone that we're looking at as potentially headlining this Wales card, like I can't say like he's red hot at this moment. I agree. I agree. I think there there are a lot of great Drew moments like throughout the match. He still feels like, you know, the 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 default like real lead babyface of the match, but 
is there that much of a craving for people to want to see him as champion right now? I don't necessarily think so. And you're right. Like, like when he least- was climbing the ladder, like it's interesting when you get those spots where it's like the guy's alone on the ladder and you get to mm-hmm. gauge the crowd. And it's not like they were going wild when he had those teases of like getting near the briefcase. If Cody was around, he would have been that person yes. in this yes. match. Definitely. Uh, and maybe he would have won it, you know, like, yeah. So, you know, that's the other thing about all this that makes it really interesting. Like, I mean, so John, you, you are letting me know that you, you were at least tipped in, in, um, tipped towards this at some point. How Th- this afternoon reveal- I was, I was told by one person that that yeah. theory w- was winning this. I, I didn't have it like confirmed beyond uh, one person, but so yeah. I'm curious, like, was this always in the works? Like, like when did things change? Was theory always going to be a part of this and what becomes of the John Cena a rumored match at SummerSlam. Those are all big questions. Like, I, I don't know when they made the call on theory. Like I, I found this out in the afternoon. So, hmm. um, yeah, with, with Cena, it's, it, it sounds like if, if you take the promo at face value about Cena, like not knowing when that next, he said, like, I'm going to have another match. I just don't know when it's going to be. Uh, you, you could certainly have that question. Like is SummerSlam locked in or is that in flux? Interesting. Because he hasn't uh, been advertised for any more uh, appearances until SummerSlam. And, you know, you saw how much tickets moved. It's not like you want to just hold off Cena if you've got him booked for any Raws coming up. Like, you would want to mm-hmm. make that um, – that that's someone you announce ahead of time. You know, and, and in the preview, you brought brought up, brought up the idea of, you know, whoever wins this briefcase potentially defending it. Do you think Austin Theory will keep the briefcase until he cashes in? I think he does hold on to it. Yeah. Yeah. Seems like that I, I don't, I don't look at him as someone that they see as like, they, they seem very invested in, in theory. And I, I feel like they are going to, this is one where I think they're going to hope by the time they do the cash in with this guy, that he is at a certain level, man, it still feels really early, you know, for an Austin theory championship run. Like th- this U S total run, I think has been as, forgettable honestly as any mm-hmm. u.s championship run yeah. um so they're this gonna have to do to a cut lot promos of for the next four weeks about going after reigns or lesnar yeah and maybe that's his whole role at SummerSlam. If, if the cena match is not locked in like that's it and like that's a tough role for him that people do not buy him in today the the level of star power is just so wide between roman reigns or brock lesnar and where austin theory is currently so they have to they have to do a lot of work um the part of me thinks that he's not going to be able to cash in at SummerSlam. it just feels too obvious though you know but i mean he they could um i feel like there's more value in him keeping it throughout the year and just having that spotlight threatening you know several times um but even so like it, it makes you wonder what his role will be even come wrestlemania like this seems to like suggest that he'll be in some sort of big prominent potentially title match. And I just can't see it with him right now. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's very clear. Like that is somebody they are pretty invested in. So that's not, not surprising to me, but I I think like there is a distance from kind of the, the valuation of theory and where he is. I could have seen it with the Miz by the time Miz won money in the bank. It's hard for me to see it with theory. Uh, just on the DraftKings note, Jesse here says on DraftKings, you can vote if the winner held it, held the briefcase before, or if they'd never won it before. Okay. All right. Interesting. And then uh, somebody else here says that you can actually, Gabe says it's free. You can win money that you can cash out and keep or use the winnings to bet on other sports. So um, yeah, there's obviously, I, I got to get in on this. I got to get in to get some tips and, 
make some bank. All right. Uh, so there you go. That was money in the bank. Um, I, I'm also told by several people that uh, Baron Corbin, sorry, Happy Corbin came out and attacked Pat McAfee afterwards after the show. Okay. So they can run that angle either online or on TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, your thoughts on money in the bank overall? Um, I th- I thought it was a, I-, I thought the tag title match was uh, the strongest thing on the show. I, I guess like the, the last uh, hour of the show between the tag title match, the ladder match and, and qu- quite honestly, R- Ronda and Natalia, I, I enjoyed that match. I don't know if it's going to be as high on everyone else's list. So I, I, I still go thumbs in the middle on this show. I, I thought the first half of this show, like, kind of the first three matches to me did, did not really deliver in a, in a, in a strong fashion. So this was more the second half of the show for me. It's a thumbs up show for me, you know, as WWE pay-per-views usually are. Um, I, I found like, I, I enjoyed something about almost everything. Uh, even, even the women's match as sloppy as it was ultimately it was an entertaining, you know, 20, 30 minutes or however long it was. Uh, and I thought you had a really great crowd in Vegas that elevated almost everything. Um, maybe except, you know, some portions of, of a Ronda versus Natalia match. Although that, that was a match where they got him by the end. So enjoyable show from my perspective. Let's ask you guys for what you guys think about money in the bank. We have several ways to leave feedback. The first of which is available to all post wrestling cafe patrons at form.postwrestling.com. You can write your feedback in right there. But if you're a double, double ice cap or espresso patron, you have the ability to call in. And so we're going to take some of the, you know what? Screw all that. We're going to go to super chats first. So let's give priority to some of those guys. We start off here with Aaron Broman or Bowman. I'm sorry, Aaron. Aaron Bowman sends $5 and says that tag match though, big eye emoji. Fire emoji, hashtag the ones, one finger emoji. Yeah, it, it was a very strong match by 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 the end of it. Aaron sends another $5 super chat. Thank you for the support, Aaron. He says, great show as always, guys. Hate seeing the daily show go, but as a father, I understand. Congrats, Way. Thank you, Aaron. Yeah, so for, the, for those of you who missed the announcement, we, uh, you know, with G1 season uh, coming up um, mid-July, we will be taking that opportunity to put a, a hiatus let's just say to the daily news shows uh i am going to be entering paternity leave uh, come um august so that coupled with g1 uh will mean that we'll have a lot less time especially even when i return from paternity leave so we're going to reassess how the g1 or sorry how the daily news show fits into both me and john's schedules and uh we'll just kind of see you know what um what we can handle afterwards but We'll still be doing all of our other shows, all of our post shows, all of our Raw, SmackDown, Dynamite post shows, and we'll be covering news topics as they come along. So uh, stay subscribed to the channel and uh, check out the G1 coverage if you're a Post Wrestling Cafe patron. And then finally, our last super chat comes to us from Jake, who sends $5. Thank you, as always, for the support, Jake. He says, I ain't going to lie. I knew it wasn't going to happen. But the way Pierce hyped up the eighth person, I thought for a millisecond it would be Cody. Wasn't going to be Cody. Would have been quite the surprise. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, Jake. Let's go to our phone calls now from Double Double Ice Cap and Espresso Patrons here. And let's start with Hanzi. Hanzi, welcome to the show. What's going on, man? Um, I, I got to say, I, I, I'm kind of with you guys where um, some of my thoughts are. The thing is, is like these, these shows are always quality. But I, I just think like just the, this build in particular for this show was so like, you know, between like no consequences for like last chances and all that. 
I wasn't really, I'm not like invested into the characters, man. And I, I, I know like I, I make a habit out of like always comparing it to AEW, but like since I, these are the two promotions that I watch, it's like, you know, I'm, I'm watching like feuds that are culminating with like real life human beings that, you know what I mean? And, and I'm watching over the top sitcom type of, uh, you know, dialogue. But I got to say the quality of the show, everyone worked hard. I thought the women's money in the bank was a little bit clunky uh, in that. Um, but the, the, the two questions I, I got to ask for you guys, and, oh, and by the way, the, the Prophets and the Usos match, I, I thought it was one of my favorite matches, and the main event surprised me, but the two questions I got to ask you, um, do you guys think that uh, Liv Morgan will, like, like because, again, like, way you, you said that with, between the Nikki Ash stuff, right, the last cash and didn't leave a good memory, so do you think on some level, do you think this like, this will be, like, a short reign where, like, maybe you do set up a like, I could, I can personally see, like, I'm not saying it's gonna happen, like, r- like, like, right away, but I could see a Christian-like thing where, you know, how he, he won the title and then, like, on SmackDown, he lost it to Orton. I could see something like that happen. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, mm-hmm. I'm just like, they haven't done a good job with the money in the bank with me. And the second question, if, because I don't see Theory on, uh, I, don't think, I don't think Theory is going to, like, get Roman Reigns or anyone like that. So do you think, like, because the money in the bank, like, has been booked, like, so shit, like, the last couple of years between the men and, and the women's one, do you think, like, he'll, like, go, Oh, I'm gonna cash in, but like on the biggest star, like John Cena or something like that, because like there's no reigns coming in. So like I could see them like changing the rules on some level. I don't know. Like that, that may be some crazy booking, but like at this point, like I I wouldn't put it past them. And I'll leave you guys with that. A good recap of always. Enjoy the week of shows, by the way. So uh, thank you for taking my call. Thanks, Thanks very much, Hansi. Uh, okay, so let's go. Let's go to the the, the women's um, championship first. So, so you know, something we we neglected to mention was Liv Morgan winning the belt off of Ronda means she moves to SmackDown. I mean, if that any, means anything these days, but she she was on Raw. She, I believe so, John. Okay. Yeah, uh, she was feeding with uh, Judgment Day. Yes, That's so right. this puts her, you know, in contention with SmackDown challengers. Yeah, so you have Ronda, is Charlotte on SmackDown? Uh, she hasn't returned yet, right? From no, not yet. The wedding, but I'm pretty I believe sure she's so. on SmackDown. So yeah, yeah. If Ronda's Lacey. on SmackDown, she's on SmackDown. Yeah. So no, there's a lot of there's a lot of options that you have on SmackDown. Um, you know, you, I mean, you could do just someone quickly comes back and beats her. Although I don't know really what that accomplishes. Um, what do you see for for Liv Morgan at SummerSlam? I guess it depends if if Ronda is. If you are going to do a rematch, if Charlotte's coming back, those would kind of be my my two options on SmackDown. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I, I do even wonder if like Liv Morgan versus Ronda Rousey is like a big enough match, even with the championship and even with the story that they've told so far. Like on, on paper, it doesn't feel that big to me, uh, especially with Liv as champion, you know. So maybe maybe they would add a third person in there just to up the star power. Charlotte. Yeah, exactly. Maybe. And that maybe they they position Liv as like she's the the underdog champion that is not at that level, and she has to prove herself. She's going to beat Nikki Ash. Ideally, they build Liv Morgan up to a level where she feels like you know like she could share the stage with with Ronda, rather than having like constant triple threats involving Ronda Rousey and Charlotte Flair all the time. Yeah. Um, and but, what but about would, the? But I yeah. assume like you're you're going to have those two, you know, a big part of of SummerSlam if they're both available. Mm. Uh, and, and the men's. So, so Hansi is saying he doesn't necessarily see Theory cashing in on either. Um, I, I don't see him Oprah. cashing in to get a match with John Cena. I, I don't see that one happening. Yeah, I don't think so either. 
Um, I don't think he cashes in. Can he cash in on either Brock or Roman? Can Brock win it and then have Theory cash in on Brock? I think it's really weak to like. I thought that's an interesting selling point for SummerSlam, but it had to be on a guy that you view at that level, and mm. you're really gonna have your work cut out for you for four weeks to have people convinced that Theory can can do that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, we go up now to forum.postwrestling.com for some of our written feedback from our patrons here. Do you have the thread up, John? We have Brian from New Jersey who starts things off. I thought the show really picked up in the second half. Fantastic tag title match in which I'm all for the teased rematch and an incredible main event. What I think was among the best money in the bank ladder matches. The women's match was more of a mess to me, but I thought the finish to it was very nicely done, as was Liv Morgan's cash-in, coming off as a big deal. Theory winning the men's match sounded like major heat, but I don't expect him to be a big part in Wales, so I can see him getting decimated at SummerSlam on an attempted cash-in. Thumbs up on the strength of the second half. Thank you for confirming that the SummerSlam theme is from Kid Rock. It sounded wretched. <laughs> it's a collaboration. You think Theory loses his cash-in? It's like, then why did you, why put it on him? Well, yeah. what, are, what are we, what's the purpose of this? You end up with, um, who are we talking about? Cool. Like, we, we beat Ken Kennedy guy. or like, who, 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 who's, who's failed on a cash-in? Um, yeah, like uh, Corbin. Has he failed? Did he, didn't he fail? I thought I don't remember. I don't remember. See, we're not supposed to remember. Well, yeah, it accomplishes nothing. (laughs) So I don't, I don't understand um, that one. I I just think short, like theory, if, if your idea is a traditional and maybe they're looking like long-term, it's the idea. We, we put the briefcase with someone. Yeah. They're not at that level now, but we are fully invested in them. And by the time we're ready to do this, they will be ready. Um, but you also have like this hook that you've introduced for SummerSlam that I, I think you do take a step back by having a theory in that position over your Rollins or your Drew. Uh, we go to Manny from Pacoima who says, so theory wins. Do you have any guess as to why he was added to the match? To Money in it. the bank? Yeah, to win it. That's really <laughs> it. Because they saw no, saw no other viable candidates in the field. Money in the Bank felt like a, a kind of a skippable show with the only highlights being the tag title match, Liv cashing in, and the edge vignette. I would say those three were enough to not call this a skippable show i would say uh, like between i think going into this at at the very at the baseline there's the interest of the ladder matches and their outcomes and then you had a tag title match that certainly over delivered so and then you got to cash in on this show so i would say overall i think for three hours dude i love these formatted shows Mm -hmm. no reason that you have to watch the pre-show and it's three hours i hope SummerSlam is the same three hours very easy watch. I mm. I look back at some of those 2017 or 2018 shows. Dude, look on the network. Look at the length of some of those shows. Oh, like yeah. you're talking four, five plus hours. I mean, look no further than every Monday where we spend the same amount of time with far less to talk about. Okay. Yep. So, um, yeah, I, I very much welcome this change. Manny continues to say, given they showed Jeff Jeff's armbands, Kurt's medal, etc., is it safe to say that Edge is going to keep the dark gimmick? Yes, I would say so. Uh, I'd probably give the show a 5 out of 10. With Liv being champion, does she now become a member of the SmackDown roster? Yes, I believe so. Will Ronda's face her? I mean, I I say I believe so, but she can... Guys, there is no brand split. So it's like there's no purpose of like having this like, oh, this person's on this show or that show. It's like they're interchangeable and they've been hit by a bunch of injuries. So they should be doing that, quite honestly. Mm -hmm. So it, it really doesn't matter. Matt from Tennessee. 
Why can't WWE do slow, gradual pushes instead of going balls deep with a push? I've been fine with Theory so far, but I'm not a fan of him winning the money in the bank. There were so many better stories to be told with other wrestlers in the match winning. Other than that, I was meh on the show overall. The women's ladder match was terrible, but was happy with Liv winning, and her cash-in was a great moment as well. You could tell that was legit passion on her face. That's when wrestling is at its best. Other than that, not much to say about this one. Vast difference in the quality of this show compared to Forbidden Door. <laughs> yes. We go up next to Nas, who says, while I think this is one of WWE's better booked shows, the show definitely lacked some star power, especially in the women's Money in the Bank match. The mon- the women gave it their all, but it was definitely not a good ladder match and botchy. I love the fact that Liv is champion, but the execution of the cash-in wasn't that great. The match wasn't grueling enough that Ronda would get beaten in a minute. Mm, do you agree, John, that, that her Natalia match wasn't grueling enough for Ronda to, to lose in, in a minute? Um... I th- I thought enough was done uh, about the knee. Yeah, I, I it, w- it would be interesting if if the the live crowd that didn't have the commentary would have had the same conclusion if mm. if if it was vicious enough. And let's remember they're they're also hyping up this last man standing match as being this this vicious match that is going to leave a champion broken and beaten. But again, doing the cash in tonight after Ronda, it does set the table for that SummerSlam story you're trying to tell as well. Yeah, that that is correct. I I do agree that like maybe they could have done they could have gone one or two steps further with Ronda's selling of the knee. Like I was looking for a, an Austin Brett moment where like she'd be in the sharpshooter and like she was near passing out, and you had that memorable like struggle, which Ronda in this case would like you know kind of just you know squeeze by and, and 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 to to beat to beat Natty with. And that would have maybe had, you know, made, made for Morgan attacking the knee to be that much more credible and justifiable. So, I mean, I could I could buy it, but like I personally didn't have that much issue with it. Uh, Nas goes on to say the tag match was the highlight of the show. I have no problems with Theory winning. It's perfect for his heel run. However, they, they shouldn't have closed the show with it. Live winning should have closed the show. I, I think it would have been really tough to close with Ronda and Natalia. Yeah, definitely. Agreed. Uh, do you know where Bailey is, John? Um, I mean, she's been out over a year now. I think Fightful just had an, an update that, I mean, she's she's training, like she's preparing for a return. It's just a matter of when that's going to be. But you would think it's... Would it be in time for SummerSlam, you think? I guess it's possible. Like, um, you know, that, that injury, like usually, like within a year, some, someone is ready to come back. So, um, if she, if she's training and working out, like you would think like she's pretty close to, to a return. Um, hmm. yeah, may, maybe, maybe it was, I'm looking up here. June 25th was her last match last year. So, uh, wow. just passing the one year mark that she has been gone. Okay. Um, Kate is the last one here. Overall, the show was, as MJF would say, mid. The highlight was absolutely the tag match, particularly the last two thirds after an initial slow stretch that went just a bit longer than it should have. Nevertheless, the build afterward was well worth watching. Liv finally feels like she's really over with fans, much more than when she was feuding with Becky. The women's ladder match was mostly a mess, but the result was good. Having Liv cash in on Ronda made her feel like an even bigger deal, and a rematch at SummerSlam seems like an opportunity to turn Ronda heel, where I think she'd be a better fit. Still, it's pretty annoying that Carmella remains the only woman to hold the briefcase for more than a day. They should be using it to build stories and anticipation i can't tell if theory is getting heel heat or go away heat i do like the idea of like doing the live ronda rematch and the idea was like ronda can almost be disingenuous by being you know this uh 
this champion that like handed her belt off and she was a good sport about it when everyone knows like Rhonda losing at anything is like the bane of her existence and she can just feel like it's almost like subtle and then if she loses a second time like that's that's her snapping on live that she was Mm -hmm. beaten in a straight up match yeah yeah i you know that would be actually now that the more i think about the storytelling potential like live versus ronda could be a great way to submit Liv morgan as like a top baby face if she got a credible win against ronda rousey all all month it should be pushed like she is an undeserving champion because she took advantage of ronda rousey and that's what she has to prove at SummerSlam. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and she lands a head kick because holly holm taught it to her Ooh, would love that she could train uh, with greg jackson yes uh, or a or, Mike Winkle, Mike Winkle, John, or, or she uh, brings in Edmund Shabazian to train with Ronda. Uh, yes, yes. Head wow. movement match. Yes. Uh, bring, bring those guys in. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, last thing here. Uh, thank you everybody for your feedback, of course, but we have one last note and that is the fact that we, there's a concurrent UFC going on at the same time here in Las Vegas. And guess who is at the show? Oh, look at, oh my goodness. Vince McMahon, Stephanie, and Triple H, as well as and Pat McAfee. Pat's selling the uh, the attack by Corbin. Selling the Corbin attack with a neck brace. So uh, they, they, they walked across the street and uh, are enjoying the UFC. Well, there you have it. Um, well, that's my plan. That's what I'm watching as soon as we uh, finish this. This is unusual, though, don't you think? I mean, yes, it is. Like, this is not the first time they've run in the same, at the same time, right? WWE and UFC. I'm trying to remember. I don't know if they have ever ran the same night as one another. Maybe I'm thinking at, of the boxing. In a, yeah, yeah. For, well, that happened with SummerSlam last year with the Pacquiao yeah. fight in Vegas. But that's yeah. you're going to have some of these conflicts when WWE is moving to Saturday nights. It's rare that they're in the same city as um, as UFC. Um, okay. And probably if they – it would be very interesting to see how Money in the Bank is handled next year because I think this year – did it scare them off of booking a stadium next year? Do they chalk that up to running against the UFC the same night? Um, or is Money in the Bank just it's an arena-based event as opposed to a stadium? So, you know, just kind of like putting on my, you know, um, podcaster conspiracy theory over analysis type of hat on. Like, how much of this do you look, feel? Look how they spelt Paul Levesque's name in the in the Chiron there. Really, L E L small E D E S Q E E is that how? Isn't it's not a small E? No, no. The Vec, La Vec. Maybe maybe they got thrown because it's a small C for the McMahons and a small C for McAfee. They figured Paul Levec, Levec. Yeah, he's joined the maximum male models. Paul Levec. Yeah, where's the accent? What is the last deal? Paul Levec. Hey, um, how much of this do you think is PR? You know, or at least like, you know, like a, a part of like whatever Vince's tour of like, you know, getting getting his face. If, if there's anything I can take from the last three weeks, Vince McMahon's mission statement is business as usual. Nothing of this has affected me. This is no effect on the company. I am out and about. I want to be seen. And this to me is an extension of that. Very interesting. All right. I, yeah. I, was, I was half expecting that Vince would be the one to come out to announce theory being theory. in the match. Yeah. But they had Pierce to it. He's still like they alluded to him being the reason why Theory yes. got into the match, so he could potentially play a role in you know That's whatever right. Theory's got going on. That's right. We could see more events on television. It would not surprise me if he's on Raw Monday with Theory in some fashion. Uh, but speaking of the UFC, we have a post show for this event, don't we? 
Yes. So Phil and Eric are going to be going live Sunday at 2 p.m. Eastern time. So they're not going live later tonight. Instead, uh, it will be Sunday at 2 Eastern right here on the channel at youtube.com slash post wrestling with a full review of UFC 276 because we will have this conflict again on SummerSlam when 277 is taking place as well. So I will find out before then if we're, if we will have a post double header that night going head to head. Um, but yes, 2 p.m. Eastern time on Sunday with Phil and Eric. And then Way and I are back Monday at 1 Eastern, the 4th of July edition of the Post Daily News Show. So look out for that. Rewind to Raw will be back on Monday night and a whole slate of shows coming up on the site at postwrestling.com. And final plug is for postwrestlingcafe.com. Jump on board at the beginning of the month and maximize all of the John Pollock waiting experience as we will be uh, kicking off our G1 shows this month, uh, multiple bonus shows on a weekly basis, including Rewind to SmackDown, MCU later, and we will be doing Rewind Away a week from Tuesday. Now, we had uh, erroneously stated we would be doing Judgment Day 2000. We did not properly update it because this person had changed it months in advance. So that show will be reviewing what way? Breaking news here. Breaking, B-R-A-K-A-I-N-G, because we will be talking about <laughs> Drive to Survive Season 1. Yes, yes. Uh, this is special patron, um, Charlie Rizek, who originally chose Judgment Day, um, had updated a special request sent to us because he had become a friend of Drive to Survive by listening to us talk about it. So he specifically requested, hey, would you guys be interested in talking about se- the first three episodes of Season 1? And we thought about it. We get these requests sometimes, and you usually kind of turn them down because we don't know how interested our audience is. This one is one where I think we have to make a bit of an exception because there's been plenty of interest in Drive to Survive since we've been talking about it. Uh, And I actually look forward to seeing what sort of discussion we're going to have and whether or not we'll pick up a few more people um, to, to watch this very popular Netflix F1 show. And really what lessons we can learn, maybe, you know, uh, in, in, in just sports promotion from a series like this. So that's what we'll be talking about in two weeks time on the Post Wrestling Cafe. Sign up right now and you will get that review along with MCU later, Thor Love and Thunder review coming out later this month as well. Rewind a Smackdown, everything else in the archive that we've ever talked about in the Post Wrestling Cafe available if you join. Yes. So this will be a, a fun month to jump on board because as we do the G1 shows, uh, may, maybe we will drop the, the occasional breaking news show in there as well. So you can uh, look out for, for many things. Postwrestlingcafe.com. Uh, $6 is the bottom tier and that gets you all of the bonus shows as well. Uh, you can also go to the ice cap or espresso tier or double double as well. So uh, lots of stuff to look forward to. All the info at postwrestlingcafe.com. And that's going to end it for us. And thank you to everybody for tuning in to the Money in the Bank post show.